Islanders alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. Today we're back to book one of The Last Airbender talking about episode 14, The Fortune Teller. And we are so excited to be covering this episode with some help from a friend. This is someone that both Dante and I met separately at different conventions years ago. And it was, I have to say, a real case of everyone fanning out over each other because we love her work and what she is doing out in the world. And she happens to be a fan of Avatar and Korra. Ivana Lynch, Evie Lynch, what's going on? Hi! No, I'm just the biggest Avatar nerd. I just love you guys and... I'm so excited we're friends, you know, it's that kind of thing. Jana, I remember meeting you at one of the conventions and I find conventions quite stressful because it's a lot of people, it's a lot of energy. And then it was my friend Robbie, who's also an Avatar fan. Of course, we're talking about Robbie Jarvis, who plays young James Potter, Harry's dad, in The Order of the Phoenix. He was like, that's the Avatar. And then I was like, oh my God, I've been in my little shell, not talking to people, and I almost missed talking to Avatar Korra. And that was just like a profound life lesson. Stop missing opportunities, connect with people. Like you did, Dante. You came up to me at a convention, and like, if I had been my way of being in my little bubble, would never have met. No, I was very nervous meeting Evie and Robbie, who were both in the Harry Potter world. And I actually was sending over my handler at a con to get a picture for myself. And then they sent back that they were fans of Avatar. And so we ended up having dinner that night and became really good friends. What the funny thing is, they show me this painting. Yes, of course. There's this painting, and I think you painted it, or, or Robbie did. I'm not sure. There's a picture. I painted it. There's a picture of Evie as a firebender. And Robbie as an airbender. So. <laughs> and I went, oh, you're that kind of fan. Wow. Super fan. No, I did fan art and everything. It was wonderful. And because that was our thing. And he introduced me to Avatar, actually. And then for his birthday, I made in, like this card of us as benders. And I actually think I showed it, because I've been into Nickelodeon, the casting. And I think I just overdid it. I was too enthusiastic. I was like, this is my fan art. This is how much I love it. And it's like, you're auditioning for a job not to just show your avatar knowledge. And I'm at dinner and I was like, Evie, well, I I mean, I have a Gryffindor scarf. I mean, that's what I got. I'm Gryffindor. Knowing Nickelodeon and knowing Nickelodeon casting, I daren't say that was a bad idea. I think that that (laughs) is appreciated and seen for what it is, which is true love of a project rather than anything that's overkill. So so. why don't we just get into it? Let's, Let's just cover a quick little snapshot of this episode. The Fortune Teller is written by our friend John O'Brien and Aaron Ehas and was directed by Dave Filoni. We know that Team Avatar travels to a village is because they find out there's a fortune teller there. And that is what everyone in the village kind of relies on for seemingly every decision that they make. So Sokka is predictably skeptical. We find out that there's a volcano that may or may not be about to erupt. And we have to see Team Avatar sort of step in and manipulate the elements, literally, to create an outcome that is safe for the village. And I actually love this episode because... It definitely asks that question, Are we? do we control our own fate? And is there such a thing as fate? And I love that it doesn't really resolve. What do you guys think? Is that frustrating? Is it cool? How does it all fit into this sort of uh, the rules of the world of the Avatarverse? Do you know what I mean? I really like it. Well, I just thought it was beautiful. I thought, you know, because that is a question that we non-benders, we ask ourselves all the time. Like, are there things that are predestined or, or can you read, you know, the stars, astrology, all that, but how much of it is within? And I just thought the episode actually came to a, a beautiful conclusion with it where it's like, there are elements that are kind of the universe decides, but you are your own inner compass and you have that power. And I, I love Aunt Wu and I think she's a positive influence. She really helps people and gives them hope. But I love that she brings it back to Ang, like you're your greatest teacher. And that's just an, a powerful message to walk away with. I'm so not Team Sock on this, by the way. I'm like, oh, he's so cynical. Come on, stop. It's just too realistic. And there there are mystical elements out in the world. We really don't know anything. It's too, I just think it's arrogant to think otherwise. So, yeah, not with Sokka here. That's very Luna Lovegood sounding. Yeah, as well. <laughs> it happens every now and then. And I'm totally <laughs> in. I'm totally in. I'm not going to lie. I've been to some psychics in my life. I love astrology. I have a few apps on my phone that I yeah. I look at 
Oh, me too. I'm into Aunt Wu. I love her purple eyeshadow. If I was in that village, I'm definitely going to go to Aunt Wu to be like, hey, Aunt Wu, what's popping? What's popping? <laughs> <laughs> I do love when you ask characters what's popping. Okay, so I think we're all kind of coming at this episode from a, mm -hmm. a similar place. Let's kind of get into it and, and how it begins. We see that it begins with that we got a, a fish that that has a very kind of a smug face. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's a catfish. It has those same little tendrils that Dante and I have already established. We don't understand when they're on dragons. We're not sure what they are when they're on dragons. I'm not sure what they are when they're on catfish. Whiskers, tendrils, mustache. Is it is, is it a hybrid fish? I'm not sure. Is it just a regular fish? They're all fish? hybrids, I, I, aren't they? I don't they? know. Not all of them. What about catfish? What about catfish in our life, which is a hybrid kind of animal, kind of in our mm -hmm. mind? Catfish. I mean, I don't think an actual catfish is part cat. I know it's not part cat, but I, it's kind I of leaning agree towards it. I have to tease you. I totally agree. That's why they're called catfish, because they look like they might be hybrids of cats and fish. I think that's the only hybrid animal in our world. So Sokka immediately is already taking stuff personally in this episode. He feels like this fish is taunting him. He can't find the fishing line. Aang doesn't have the fishing line. He made it into a necklace for Katara. She loves it. And then Sokka's like, maybe you can save the world and start a jewelry business. Aang's very positive. He's like, I don't see why I can't do both. Oh, that was the cutest moment of the episode. Where it's like, oh, he's just so pure. He has zero prejudices doesn't take insults he's just like yeah cool i'll start a jewelry business <laughs> even though i'm the avatar yeah. he's like i guess the necklace i made is great exactly he's like it is good i did a good job and i could go into jewelry business and he's right side note you know that necklace she lost someone has it i don't know her, her mother's necklace gee i wonder who's holding on to it for use in what who knows what way later on in the show exactly his name's zuko witchcraft yeah that's right so now he's just jumping into the water with all his tools, including just trying to grab at the fish. And Kotar's like, how do I look on my new necklace? We have this beautiful fuzzy lens twinkle. It's like an Instagram filter that we see Katara in looking very, very chic and very beautiful with her new necklace. And Sokka's kind of teasing as he's <laughs> kissing this fish in the background. And Katara, thinking she's doing the right thing and defending Aang, but actually doing the absolute worst thing, right, is like, Stop teasing him, Sokka. Aang's just a good friend. A sweet little guy. Just like Momo. I wish you'd said nothing at all. That is not great, you know? He probably needed to hear it, though. Well, he, he is younger than her. He's much younger. As a younger guy, talking to older girls, definitely they talk to you like that, for sure. Like, you know, you're the freshman talking to the senior in high school, and they're like, we're not really trying to, I'm not looking at you like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's definitely yeah. realistic. Yeah. So yeah. he's just handling yeah. that blow, and he goes up to this top of this rock. There's this noise. There's something happening. There's some kind of kerfuffle, and we find out that somebody is being attacked by a platypus bear. And I, my first thought when I saw that was like, oh, I would be in a bad mood too if I looked like a platypus bear. There's he's, it doesn't. There's not a lot of dignity <laughs> to being a platypus bear. It's not as fierce looking as a regular bear. He has a toothy beak. If you see a duck with teeth, that would be incredibly scary. Nightmare. It's a nightmare. So this guy, by the way, that he's attacking, couldn't be less concerned. Almost seems to be enjoying it. Uh, meanwhile, Team Avatar is just hurling advice at him. Hey, try this. Do this. Run away. Play dead. And he's not listening to any of that advice. Finally, Aang just steps in. He airbends just enough to kind of push the platypus bear back. But the platypus bear is completely snarling. And luckily, our friend Appa, who we sometimes forget, is he huge appears behind the platypus bear and just gives a real solid roar. And the platypus bear just quickly lays an egg in fear and crawls into the water to swim away. And Sokka is super psyched to eat the fresh, nice, warm egg out of someone's body. And an egg of an animal that big is crazy to think about a little bit. Like, I'm going to have a sunny side up platypus bear right now. But if I was hungry, I'd probably go for it. Hard-boiled or sunny side up? I think if you scramble it, your best chance is that you're going to be all right. Scramble. You wouldn't want to just warm it up and see who comes out? What little guy? Oh. I will say that in very short order, I think we will see some 
representation of the contents of that egg <laughs> from where from what's about to happen in a few moments. Um, Dante, why don't you tell us what does happen next? Now, Team Avatar wants to know why this guy was so mellow about the attack. And he says, But everything was already under control. Not to worry. Aunt Wu predicted I'd have a safe journey. The fortune teller of his village. And Sokka immediately protests. But the fortune teller was wrong. You didn't have a safe journey. You were almost killed. But I wasn't. All right. Have a good one. As he leaves, he hands something to Team Avatar, saying, Aunt Wu said if I met any travelers to give them this. And then Katara likes the idea of seeing Aunt Wu, just as Aang opens up the package and it's an umbrella. And then all of a sudden, it begins to rain. Katara waterbends to keep the rain off. Sokka, for some reason, thinks it's a good idea to use the egg as an umbrella. Uh, I don't know why, but I did think at that moment, like, wow, it's going to really mess up his uh, breakfast. But the egg mm -hmm. slips and then breaks on Sokka's head. And then as the crew heads towards the village, Sokka keeps trying to prove that the so-called fortune teller isn't really seeing the future. And he's like, of course it rained. And Katara teases him, saying that if he admits he's wrong, he can come under the umbrella. It's going to keep drizzling. See? Not everyone has the gift, Sokka. And one thing I do want to point out is that in that quick early moment Katara does waterbend the rain out of her way. She gets under that umbrella pretty quick. She just does it for like a little bit before she comes under the umbrella with, with Aang. And it's like, it's a cool little skill, but she kind of shows that she's really comfortable with Aang. She's really happy just being his friend and she likes to connect. So she's not going to just show off her fancy skills for the sake of it. Oh, that's a really good point. He's a cute little boy, Dor. Oh, no. I know what this is. This is coming from this is coming from the deep heart of Zuko. I know that when, <laughs> when he says Aang's a cute little boy, we all know what's happening. There is some Zutara rearing its head. <laughs> How much percentage is, is Dante Zuko? That's a great question. I w you know what? I pose that to the listener. Let mm. us know on social media. What percentage do mm. you think of Dante is Zuko? Great question, Evie. It depends on the time of day. <laughs> time of day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what happens after Sokka once again be proven to be like very cynical and not willing to accept something. So after that, we see Team Avatar walking through the long, wind-blown grasses, and then there's a snow-covered mountain in the distance just ominously lurking there, like, oh, what's going to happen there? The village is just below it, and then they go through the village gates, and they pass some turkey ducks along the way, which are, you know, they're all right, they're all right. They're not my favorite <laughs> character in the Avatarverse, but they're no interesting. Ducks, right? They're no turtle ducks. <laughs> they're no turtle ducks, exactly, or lion turtles. No, yeah. No. And then they approach this cool building where a very cool looking guy in all black with white hair and a very cool style tells them that Aunt Wu is expecting them. And so Katara gets really excited. Sokka's not feeling it still. <laughs> and they go into this little room with a screen and floor pillows. And then this little girl comes up. She has this crazy hair, big long braids that are sticking out from her head. And she immediately takes a shine to Aang. And she has that cute little moment where you know, rose-tinted glasses, and she sees Aang, and he's just, like, I don't know, rubbing his nose or something. I know, I was going to say, right, his <laughs> posture's super bad. Like, with Katara, you see it, and you're like, I get it, Aang, I get it. Yeah, she's yeah. wonderful, she's gorgeous. And then she, and then Mang's version of that, it goes from the feet up, so you're sort of expecting to see this, like, handsome, you know, awkward Aang. Yeah, but That's maybe great. Meng is reading his, his aura. I would say she has good taste. And, you know, she is around a fortune teller all the time. So maybe she's just like... And he is the avatar. I love that. He is the avatar. I love that. So Meng is cool. And then she offers some tea and bean curd puffs. And she gets excited because Ang rhymes with Meng. That rhymes with Meng. And you've got some pretty big ears, don't you? I guess... Which is exactly the kind of thing I would do if I met somebody. I'd be like, oh my god, that's that means we're fated. That's, I, I totally really relate to her. I just love her. Um, and she says, Aang has big ears. And he's like, no. And Sokka's like, yeah, you do, of course. It's Don't be modest. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that was just a cute little moment. We see Aang get a bit self-conscious. Yeah. And Sokka is then just kind of grumbling, just moaning about being there. But you can tell he's curious too. Good he's point. not left he's, he's obviously being like oh let's see what this is about 
Um, so yes, that that is where we are, and we are about to find out their futures. Yeah, and he is very happy to eat those bean curd puffs, so mm-hmm. he shouldn't look that gift horse in the to mouth. Eat anything? Yeah. A shout out really quick, Michaela, Jesse Flowers, our buddy who comes back to play Toph. Uh, this is her debut on Avatar. She came to play this character of Mang, and then she comes back to play Toph, which that's a pretty cool thing. I didn't know that. That is yeah, so cool. That cool. Yeah. Such totally different characters as well. Yeah, she does a great job. Okay, so Mang comes back in with the tea and this woman meanwhile is coming out of aunt Wu's sort of inner room and she's so excited she's kind of over the moon she's been told that she's going to meet her true love and Mang kind of plays up her crush on ang a little bit more like oh gosh wonder what that's like <laughs> some mm-hmm. of us know already <laughs> and ang is just completely clueless but the woman to Mang is like is that the bigard man that aunt Wu said that you would marry Mang? you're like oh that's why she was saying the thing about the big ears so she was reading into it which i mean his ears aren't tiny so you could sort of see how she could fit that in but that goes to the whole Mm -hmm. idea that hopefully we'll talk about a little later when we talk about our own experiences of this thing that recurs in this episode too which is like are you trying to make it happen because you've been told it's going to happen do you become the orchestrator are you going to make sure you're wearing those shoes are you going to make sure that you fall in love with someone who has big Mm. ears and figure out the rest later because that's that's a thing you've been told to look for which i love i love puzzling with that right aunt Wu does now arrive played by the wonderful tai chin so katara unsurprisingly is going to be the one who goes in first she's super excited Sokka, unsurprisingly, also stuffing his face. And Aang is now nervously kind of contemplating, like, oh, gosh, I wonder what they could be discussing. And Sokka's like, oh, I don't know, nothing special, this, that, who she's going to marry, etc. And he's like, well, got to go. And mm-hmm. so he hang, he heads inside to do a little snooping. And what he overhears is Aunt Wu asking Katara about how smooth her hands are. And then Katara reveals that she has this special seaweed lotion, which, side note, I don't know how Katara has fancy hand cream when many episodes we know that they can barely buy one nut because they don't have any money. She is from the royal family of the Southern Water Tribe, so she's grown up around some of the finer things in life. Yeah. And maybe she's learned how to make her own seaweed cream from, isn't, aren't they healers and that kind of thing? Yeah. So they might know how to make an I like that. So Katara does ask about her love line, you know, which I guess implies that Wu is reading her palm. I guess maybe we already knew that. But she asks about her love line. Do you see anything interesting in my love line? I see a great romance for you. The man you're going to marry. Tell me more. I can see that he's a very powerful bender. Very important thing to hear if you're Aang. He takes kind of a moment to process this. There are other powerful benders in the world, Barney. Yes, there are, Dante. But he is the quintessential one. I'm just saying. The court will allow it. But in this moment, he's assuming it's him for obvious reasons. He makes this very adorable face that is accompanied by this very adorable flute moment. Just giddy, excited, joyful, like, music. And he's kind of bounding while trying to remain silent around the room. And he comes back in to the room where Sokka is. And Sokka's like, you know, someone had a good bathroom break. And (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what Aang was going to say. Like, what was he going to come up with? There's no way he was going to tell Sokka what he just heard. But he did. He was like, while I was in there. And Sokka's like, please don't continue. But secretly, I am like, what would he have said? (laughs) (laughs) Aunt Wu and Katara come out. Wu says, who's next? Sokka's like, all right, let's get this over with. Fantastic attitude. Uh, Stands up. And Aunt Wu, with this very beautifully animated, just single raised eyebrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that expression is chef's kiss. She's like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, you know what I can tell you right here. Your future is full of struggle and anguish. Most of it self-inflicted. But you didn't read my palms or anything. I don't need to. It's written all over your face. And then the rest of the episode, he proceeds to, like, accidentally harm himself by just throwing things about. It's so perfectly done. I just love that. She did predict that to be true. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Or did he get so flustered and befuddled and, like, that he made that happen because he was self-conscious and he was in his head about it we will never know all right what happens when ang goes in there yes so now ang's like my turn but 
You know, I wonder if it does have anything to do with the expression, I have a bone to pick with you. I think it's osteomancy, which is just, you know. What's that word you said? Osteomancy, because, you know, osteo is like, that means Latin for bone. Like Osteoporosis. I remember that in the milk commercials. Exactly. Osteoporosis. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then mancy is like, I think mancy is the Latin for future telling. I think that's what it is. Anyhow, Ang picks one of the bones, and then he throws it into the fire as Aunt Wu asked him to do. And then Aunt Wu is shocked when the bone cracks. It basically explodes. And she's like, i never seen this before. Yeah. And then it's a pill of fire and smoke. And she goes on to, to make this super dramatic prediction. This is incredible. You will be involved in a great battle. An awesome conflict between the forces of good and evil. A battle whose outcome will determine the fate of the whole world. Yeah, yeah, I knew that already. But did it say anything about a girl? And she's like, oh, I didn't see anything about love. And then she feels bad, and then all of a sudden, whoop-dee-woo, you know, comes out. She sees, I didn't see this little piece of the bone fragment. And then she picks up the bone, and she gives the most generic fortune cookie reading in the world. But it's also true. And I think she gave him really good advice. She proves she's a good psychic there because it's like, oh, he needed something a little bit to give him hope. Because otherwise he would have left there being really downhearted and just be like, oh, there's no love in my life. And he is somebody who, when he trusts his heart, when he follows his heart, it does lead him to the right place. He's very much a heart-centered avatar. I know, but still. You know when you get that fortune cookie at the Chinese food restaurant at the end and everyone gets these like great fortunes and all these interesting things and then you open yours and it says, do your work hard and you will succeed. And you're like, well, I don't care about that. Everyone knows if you work hard, you, you can <laughs> succeed, possibly. But like, I want... With the dragon and the hummingbird or something that's going on with the, you know, like, <laughs> the girl with the waterbender likes me. You know what I'm saying? Like, can we get some more specific? But it's too specific then. It narrows in too much. And then you'll just, you'll manifest it. Or you'll ruin it. I've done that before with a psychic telling me I was going to meet some screenwriter. And then I told the screenwriter, a psychic told me we we're going to meet. <laughs> he never contacted me again. So, you, you know, I don't think it's good when you interfere with fate. First of all, a writer will just bring you a lot of... Uh, angst. Angst in life. Not for a partnership. As in, oh, like, I was oh. like, we're going to work together. Oh. You're going to write something for me, aren't you? And I'm going to have a job. Anyway, so that's, I think it's really good. No, but I mean, it's not a good reason to be turned off by someone. I think that's adorable. If it was Sokka, though, if he was that kind of person. But I actually, you know what? I wouldn't want to work with him. That's right. If he was going to be that turned off by something, like, that's yeah. probably not a partnership that's that's meant to happen. What have the experiences, Dante, that you've had been like when you go see a, a psychic? I live in L.A. It's a hotbed for psychics. And I've dated girls that are very psychically inclined. So <laughs> I've, I've wound up in the chairs of psychics and I've gotten tarot cards read <laughs> and I've got palms read. And then in Hawaii, there's a very Aunt Wu woman in Hawaii, very, very famous psychic named Lon Vo, who I've been to, told me some very interesting things that actually wound up with me getting a tattoo. So that's how serious I took it in the moment. Hello, <laughs> didn't know this. And what about you, Evie? Is that, have you had those experiences? And did you feel like, oh, this person was right on or? So I don't see psychics very often, but there's one lady I see maybe every six months. So twice a year. And she's amazing. She lives in London. She's really great visually. She very much reads energies of people. She doesn't really tell me the future, but she reads energies of people. But anyway, I saw her today and I literally had a moment like where she kind of told me all this great career stuff um just like all this stuff coming up and then at the end i was like but should i text him my mind is blown my mind is blown but wait you saw her today on the same day that you're recording the fortune yeah, 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 yeah. with us yeah i love this i know this i know beautiful. it just worked out i like them i i find them really good just things that i'm working on it, like spiritually she'll notice the growth and be like you should be reading this or or she might be like this person is not for you they're quite negative and things like that it's just guidance and i love it how about you i love fortune tellers too I totally get that. If it's a tool that helps you, that genuinely helps you not know yourself less, but know yourself more. Yeah, like an affirmation tool. Exactly. That person is Mm -hmm. helping you be in tune with yourself and rely on yourself and your feelings using outside tools. And I think that's marvelous. Let's take a quick break. Ivana and I will try to get Dante to tell us what his tattoo is offline, and then we will come back with more of the fortune teller. All right, we are back, and uh, yeah, 
yeah, he did tell us a story. And uh, maybe someday, dear listeners, maybe someday. Evie's going to take us next uh, into sort of what happens after the gang has just seen Aunt Wu and they're also processing what happened, right? Right. So we leave Aunt Wu's and we head down the street and Sokka is still like, this is all bogus. I mean, bear in mind, he didn't have a good reading. So why would he want to believe it? And Katara and Ang are like fully convinced and they're like on that high, that post-psychic high when you're like, oh, life is good. There's good things coming to me. And then Katara tells him he's going to create a horrible life for himself and Sokka protests and that's when all the misfortune starts and it hits him in the head and it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> it's already happening. Katara asks Ang what Wu told him and he says, some stuff, you'll find out. And then the gang comes across some villagers in the central courtyards and they're all staring at the clouds. What's with the sky? We're waiting for Aunt Wu to come and read the clouds to predict the fate of the whole village. That cloud kind of looks like a fluffy bunny. You better hope that's not a bunny. The fluffy bunny cloud forecasts doom and destruction. Do you even hear yourself? The cloud reading will tell us if Mount Makapu will remain dormant for another year or if it will erupt. Which seems like a dangerous game to be playing based on clouds. This is where you're like, okay, maybe we do need a bit of Sokka's common sense here. Mang is still trying to flirt with Ang, and she's like, Don't you think that cloud looks like a flower? Huh? Sure, I guess. And then he actually shoves her out of the way, and he points it out to Katara. <laughs> That's not nice. <laughs> and she's not listening. Oh, it's like, a, it's like a Shakespearean love story, isn't it? Everyone's just, their affections are all crossed, right. star-crossed lovers. Isn't, yeah, it's just all going wrong. Anyway. Can't be happy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, Aunt Wu then begins to read the clouds. Bending arrow cloud. Good crops this year. Nice big harvest. Darn good news. Wavy moon shape cloud. Let's see. Gonna be a great year for twins. Yes! An accumulus cloud with a twisted nub coming off the end of it. The village will not be destroyed by the volcano this year. And then Ang has this precious little moment. He's so brave. He's so just like, again, pure, open-hearted. And he goes up to Katara and he goes, I like you, but more than normal. And Katara just doesn't even hear him. And yeah, it's painful and relatable. And oh, Ang is just such a sweet little boy. See how you said that, Evie? Just a sweet little boy. Adorable little boy. Uh... I think the world needs more sweet little boys. <laughs> I agree. I'm just pointing things out to the jury. That's all. That's all, Janet. That's all. As, the, as the judgment on Zutara continues. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. Well, I, me- I remember yeah. watching this episode for the first time, really having that like heart in my throat moment when he says that. Kind of knowing inside, like, I hope that this isn't just leading to abject rejection because right. he's already sort of experienced mm. the sort of light-handed rejection that Katara has already given him. But really saying something like that, that's so from the heart. You got to shoot your shot. Although yeah. we can see from the outside looking in, I mean, not the right time. I mean, I don't mm. know about you, but I've been on both sides of that. I've been on the side of liking someone who didn't like me mm. that way and telling them and having to be told back that they didn't mm. feel that way. And I've been on the side of really like caring so much about someone and having them tell me that they felt deeper or in a different way. And you just feel terrible that you don't feel the same way. So it's just one of those heartbreaking, so awful being on both sides of that, really. And so to me, it was such a relief because we all know what she would say. She's already said it. You know, she said she doesn't think of him that way. So it's a relief that she doesn't hear him because that buys some some time, right? Absolutely. And now we're back at Aunt Wu's. Obviously, some time has passed, but Katara has gone back there. She cannot let go of this idea that Aunt Wu just has the answers to everything, right? I mean, it's so tantalizing to her. She says it from the very beginning of the episode. She's like, wouldn't it be nice to have some insight into your future? She has clearly just grabbed onto that, and it's only gotten stronger and stronger because Aunt Wu has given her all this information. (laughs) It's very positive. She's excited about it. And so I think it's great because she sort of represents that part of us who feels that sense that the villagers feel of, well, gosh, I'm just not going to have to make any choices anymore. I guess if everything's predestined, I can just, I'm a warrior. Maybe I'm anxious. Maybe I have trouble making decisions. This person will just tell me every decision I'm going to make from here until the day I die. Great. She's into it, right? 
But quick question on, on, on just a foreshadow report. She does talk about Katara's kids and great grandkids in oh, the yeah. in the fortune. And I was wondering, because mm. I'm not very well versed in all the Korra, we're not there yet. Does any of that fortune come true? We don't know yet. You know your Korra. No, because that would be Tenzin's kids' kids, and they aren't. They haven't had kids yet. Oh, that's Tenzin's kids. I don't think it is true. I, w I remember that moment because didn't she say you'll die peacefully in your bed after your third grandchild? But doesn't she have more Great than three grandchildren? Yeah, it would be like Janora's kid. Oh. All right. I was just wondering. No, it's a great question, and it's a question that has to be asked because Brike set Korra 70 years into the future, so we're really going to see those predictions tested for sure. So, yeah, so she's back there. She's like, this is the guy I'm going to fall in love with handsome. Is he tall? And to your point, Evie, you know, she's a teenager, and that's exciting big stuff. Sokka, meanwhile, is just so frustrated by everyone's trust in Aunt Wu, and he is, again, on a tirade, setting out to prove her a charlatan and just trying to be reasonable. He thinks to himself, this is illogical. I'm going to use logic. He talks to a guy with red shoes who is wearing his red shoes all the time because Wu told him that he would meet his true love with him on. And he's like, <laughs> kind of what we were talking about before, like, well, yeah, now you will be because you're only wearing red shoes. Like, you're going to be the one responsible for making this happen, not her. Then Sokka makes this big production out of it and I guess maybe upsets a turkey duck because the turkey duck just sort of attacks him. Poor Sokka. And then when we go back to Wu, she is wearily finishing Katara's entire life story, mentioning that great grand grandchild and Katara's completely enthralled. Oh wait, one more thing. How warmly should I dress tomorrow? You want me to do a reading for that? I mean as much as we all said we like it, it's giving too much power away. It's just another story that you like. But now we're back outside on the town square with Aang and Sokka and Sokka is at his wits end yelling at a very dirty man who hasn't been bathing because the fortune teller told him not to. Again, giving too much your power away. Which, by the way, why? Aren't you curious? Maybe it'll keep him safe. Yeah, maybe he's warding up the spirits. Or maybe it's just like a spiritual quest for him to just like see how differently people treat you when you stink, when you smell like garbage. Yeah, maybe he overwashes <laughs> and he needs some time. This is exciting for me because I we have finally found a person more compassionate and emotional than me. I mean, maybe just 5%. Aww. What about me? <laughs> you were not worrying about people's feelings in this show like I worry. We're Fire Nation. What a nice balance. But you know who the dirty man reminds me of in this episode? <laughs> you know, um, in India, there's like these, these, I think they're called babas. And they're these guys who just do these crazy spiritual quests. Like there's one guy, he just has had his arm in the, in the air for like decades. And it's just wasted and withered and it doesn't work anymore. And it's like, why would you do that? But it's a spiritual thing. He's just testing himself and his connection to the divine. So I don't know. It reminded me of the smelly man here. Maybe that's what she's like. You're here on this earth to go deep and to understand just purpose of life. And to do that, you have to just be a social pariah. I love that. And I will say he seems fairly blissful. Yeah. If finding Zen is being in the flow and finding bliss, he's doing all right. Mm, exactly. Enlightened. Meanwhile, Aang has decided that Sokka <laughs> is the perfect person to ask advice about women. Because, you know, he's not wrong. I mean, Sokka gets a lot of girls in this particular show. I mean like his approach to Suzuki, like Suki makes that work. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, no, no. Suki I mean, out the best in him. it's not always because yeah. of him. I mean, he was making out with a fish at the beginning of the episode. He's giving a little smooch to a fish, so you're not wrong. And he's older. And he's older. You know, you're always gonna look up to your elders to be like, hey, man. That I think is key. What do you think I should do about this girl mm -hmm. who happens to be your sister? He leaves that part out, and Sokka naturally assumes it's little Mang which leads to a very classic bit where we see a lot in storytelling where Aang thinks that Sokka fully supports his crush on his sister when in actuality it's not what Sokka's actually talking about. So Sokka warns Aang not to be too nice. This is the classic, classic yeah. bad boy thing. Like, don't be nice to the girl. <laughs> like, if you yeah. walk into the club and, like, the hottest chick in the world that you got a crush on, don't look at her. Never look at her. Guess what? Ignore that girl. <laughs> What you want her to do is look at you. Yeah, I think that's not even a gendered or a straight or queer thing, really, even. 
I think that's something that a lot of us do think we need to do. And, and sometimes it's game playing and sometimes it's really finding that balance because it's true that you maybe shouldn't put yourself out there because you do need to have this sort of inner core of strength that's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm doing okay with or without this person, but I'm interested versus, hey, if I am a bully to this girl or this guy, maybe they'll like me. Probably t- a little oversimplistic to say, just act like you don't care. I know, yeah. I know. I think also secure people, you don't need to do that thing. But that whole thing of the nice guy, like, I don't know, if Janet, if you feel that, but like when I was a teenager, definitely that wasn't the most attractive guy. It's like, oh, my mom would love him, but there's no excitement. There's yeah. no spark because it's like, you're giving me too much. That makes me feel all this responsibility and, and like almost smothered. So I connect to it. But I also think it's an immature way of looking at it. Of course. They don't need to play those kind of games. The moment you're playing games, you're already at a disadvantage. You're out of the moment. Yeah, it's artifice. That's a good word. She uses so many good words. But nonetheless, this is advice given time and time again. Old man Sokka gives it to young man Aang. And then what happens is young Mang comes and uh, and talks to Aang. And then Aang ignores her. And Sokka's like, man, he's good. He's real good. Fast learner. Yeah. 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 Spoiler alert. He was already doing that. He changed nothing. He's not applying that to her, Sokka. This is a thing that sometimes the girls you ignore just are into you. It's real. It's very Shakespearean, too. Like you were saying, Evie. Right? It's this is like Midsummer Night's Dream or something. It's true. The girl you're ignoring does like you sometimes. Yeah. It's it's just it's just weird how that works out. It's strange. But he always was ignoring her, so you're not wrong. You're not wrong. So we don't know. Chicken and the egg. We don't know. Platypus bear or the egg. So meanwhile, the fortune teller has now thrown Katara out of her place because Katara's being super annoying. Speaking of being needy. I know. She's this is not a good look, Katara. Just like mm, Katara's ain't a good look. You like looking <laughs> real thirsty right now. And you're a waterbender, you looking real thirsty. <laughs> But Katara still has one last question to ask about. Should I eat a mango or a papaya for breakfast tomorrow? Papaya. Oh, I hate papaya. (laughs) We're just like, why did she ask her? I know, like, what? But then Aang approaches, Mm. and then guess what? She dismisses him. And he's in love with her. So it kind of works both ways. Anyway, so he tries to act like he doesn't care, and he has this nice, long, silent moment with a... the turkey duck is back. A lot of, a lot of action for turkey, turkey duck in this particular episode. <laughs> and who breaks the silence with a quack. The turkey duck doesn't get a lot of love in the Avatarverse. Turtle duck, a lot of love. Turkey duck, not much. So, But this episode, a lot yeah. of screen time. This is, the fortune teller is his time to shine, <laughs> turkey duck. That's right. What happens next, Evie? I mean, I think the most important question on everyone's mind right now about the outcome of this episode is will Katara get the papaya? She does get <laughs> papaya. She dutifully goes and with a sad little voice says, for a papaya, please. And then Ang appears next to Katara with Momo. And he, there's like a soundtrack, like the Pink Panther or just some spy movie. And he's really trying so hard to be aloof. He's like, oh, hey there, just hanging out. And it's just so not Ang. <laughs> it's just so not Ang. It's just so not working for him because he is somebody who lives with his heart on his sleeve and it has worked for him up to this point. But anyway, Katara moves on again and he's just like, oh, this is not my style. And then he sees the woman from earlier and she's just met her true love because he's given her the panda lily that she was promised by the fortune teller. That just idea just grips Ang, and it is so much more on purpose for him if that, you know, it's so much more his energy, I feel. And so he's like... Because, you know, he is into romantic gestures and just, yeah, saying how he feels. So he's like, let's climb the mountain. And he gets Sokka to climb the mountain uh, to get a panda lily for Katara. And Sokka's like, still not into this. He's like, even Aang has been brought into this whole Aunt Wu craze. And then they make it to the top of the mountain. And Aang plucks his beautiful little panda lily. But things take a turn here because they look over the peak of the mountain and they see that the volcano is about to erupt. And then you see the panda lily just disintegrate into ash. And just things are, stuff is going down. And basically, it's time it's time for Sokka to take the reins here. I have so many thoughts about this. Watching Aang go through this is somehow, I mean, it's painful. But it is a lot more painful to talk about. I'm like, everything we're talking about as I'm listening to you describe Aang getting excited. It's like... Oh, honey, that wasn't even her prediction. Again, we felt that. It's like, oh, look, these two people over here who were entirely separate and unrelated to us, they're having their experience. But if I could just mimic it enough, 
maybe Katara will respond to a panda lily. It's like, oh, you're just trying anything. Like, it just breaks my heart. Do you know, this is one of my favorite things about the show and about Aang's journey. Like, he is so wise and powerful, but he struggles in, like, human matters. And he, he does have to go through these silly little human problems to find out who he is. He just doesn't have it all figured out. And I just love that. I love the hero's journey part of it and, and how he does grow through these things. Oh. Absolutely. And like Monkeyazzo said, he has to be, it's so important for him to experience being a child and being a person as it is training to be an avatar because that's exactly like what you're talking about is moments like this that they have it has nothing to do with whether or not you can go to the avatar state you still have to navigate the world as a human around humans that you care very mm. deeply for and so he has to go through these experiences and it's just wonderful but it's it's hard because you feel protective yeah. you know i also thought at this moment yeah. why as a people do we keep building villages by volcanoes <laughs> like why as soon as there's a volcano in the vicinity hey evie varney let's move let's move we can't it's i mean unless you're firebenders then we're cool with firebenders like whatever fires fires whatever to us but but for most of us around the world like if there's a volcano nearby i think we should move let's build this village somewhere else but no. Would that it were so simple, my friend. That panda lily does not stand a chance because we are talking about mm -hmm. a serious problem here with a very burbling, very hot looking volcano that seems like it's ready to go. What are we gonna do? What's gonna happen? Let's find out right after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Aunt Wu's Bean Curd Puffs. Come for the fortune, stay for the puffs. Even the doubtingest mind won't be able to deny their future of loving Aunt Wu's Bean Curd Puffs. No bean curd puff is beanier, curdier, or puffier. Accept your fate. Buy Aunt Wu's Bean Curd Puffs today. We already know you will. So Sokka needs to take control of this situation. Now we are at the point where it feels to all of us, this is a problem. She has said nothing bad is going to happen. We are seeing that something bad is going to happen. Sokka must be right. We have got to get working on this. Everybody thinks they're safe. What are we going to do? We got to warn them. So they fly down to the village on Aang's glider. They get to the fortune teller's place. They get to Aunt Wu's place. There's Katara standing outside complaining that Aunt Wu's not going to see her. <laughs> this is a great little funny moment, which is, again, that thing that this show does so beautifully where it breaks the tension, where she's like, Can you believe she won't let me in? And after all the business I've given her? But she doesn't even charge. You really can't argue that. That's a very bad argument. Meanwhile, the volcano is spewing out smoke. Everyone, that volcano is going to blow any second. Aunt Wu was wrong. Yeah, yeah, we know you don't believe in Aunt Wu, Mr. Science and Reason Lover. They're still unperturbed. It's like a whole bunch of guys being attacked by the platypus bear, right? They're just pretty cool and pretty zen about it. Now Katara is on board. She's like, okay, this definitely is a problem. Aang literally, like, bounds up onto the rooftops and is just begging them to listen. And meanwhile, Sokka ends up getting into this argument with this guy who's like, can your science explain why it rains? And Sokka's like, yes, it can! And still nobody takes any action. But it seems that Aang has got a plan. He lets Katara and Sokka know he's got something in mind and he's going to need Aunt Wu's cloud reading book. Mm-hmm. Dun-dun-dun. And now, Aang has now snuck into Aunt Wu's room. He does a lot of cat burglaring in this particular episode, and he's pretty, I guess, if you're Airbender, you got a lot of that <laughs> cat burglar skills. But then suddenly, Mang is behind him, right? And she confronts him about not liking her. But it becomes actually a very, a very sweet exchange between them. You don't like me, do you? Of course I like you, but not the way I like you. Oh, I guess not. It's okay. It's just really hard when you like someone, but they don't think of you that way. I know what you mean. And uh, and then Mang's like, I can see why why you like Katara, the the water bending girl. And he re mm. he, I know it's kind of mm. like it's such a cute scene. I love that about Mang. I'm so it's like she's gonna be a great partner someday because 
she immediately just jumps to I will be on this adventure for you even if I'm betraying my employer and may get fired <laughs> that's the kind of ride or die I want me and aunt will go back many many years I'm only seven I've known her since I was two but guess what I've known you two days and here's her book because I like you and you don't even like me you don't even like me, but here's the book. <laughs> it could be argued that this all was meant to be. It could be that she's an intuitive person, as Evie pointed out. Could be that she intuits that, you know, like it's this is all happening. There's a chain of events that have caused this, including Aunt Wu saying nothing's going to happen. You're going to be fine. Then that means that they have to intervene, which is going to ideally make her prediction come we true. We don't know. So Aunt like, Wu is now reminding me of the Oracle from the Matrix. We don't know what she's saying is true or not true. They also even got a little likeness about each other, kind of like older women with gray hair. Like, Aunt Wu's the Oracle. Except the Oracle tells Neo he's not the Avatar, so to speak, that he's not the one. And Aunt Wu seems to think that, you know, he's the one. Right, yeah. right. Let's get back to the Avatar verse. So now he has the book. And now he cut back to Team Avatar on Appa, where they reveal they are going to basically cloud bend into shapes that will cause the fortune teller to understand the volcano is going to erupt. Which actually is amazing when they're like, you're a waterbender, I'm an airbender, let's cloudbend. And I was like, that's cool as heck. Yes, indeed. And so they start doing this cloudbending, and it seems to work. Team Avatar explains the plan in the village, and then they dig ditches and earthbend to try to stop the flow of lava that's going to be coming down. The volcano begins to erupt. They're trying to evacuate people. Then the ash floats to the sky. Lava melts the village gates. There's, there's too much... And then Team Avatar uses everything in their disposal to try and stop it. And then all of a sudden, Aang, our Avatar friend, just does some amazing airbending. Like the best airbending ever. Basically building a dome of air around the village, stopping the lava mid-air. And like Sokka just kind of takes a moment and observes how powerful of an airbender he is. And then he even says it like, wow, he's, he's a powerful bender. And this is the exact same words that the fortune tellers describe to Katara's true love, which, of course, Katara likes, has that, you know, epiphany. Like, oh, she has that. She watches mm. it and wonder. So I suppose he is. But you could argue, Barney. Epiphany? <laughs> she's influencing her mind right there. No? Evie? Barney? Anybody? I don't know if I'd go that far, but I would say I was like, oh, Katara sounds disappointed. <laughs> oh, well, that's a oh. great point, though. It's so open-ended. We could, yeah. Every one of us could read something different. Really, Mae Whitman, shout out, obviously, to the amazing and amazingly busy and successful and wonderful, and we love her, Mae Whitman, who really threads the needle on that because mm. you could hear it as... Oh, oh my gosh, I'm realizing something. Or you could take it, just like you said, as a sort of like, oh, I suppose he is. Yeah, it's a little bit of, womp womp, you know? Because, like, at the moment, it, obviously their relationship grows into something. Right. But she doesn't have attraction to him right now, and she was picturing someone tall, dark, and handsome. Not short, bald, and... <laughs> and she's just like, oh. So then... The danger is past. The villagers meet back in their now protected village. And Aunt Wu admires their sneaky work that they did. And I like that. You know, she's not like, how dare you enter my house? She's all like, cool. The fates made this happen. She's mm -hmm. chill. And then the villagers point out that, you know, ultimately her prediction was actually right. The village was not destroyed. <laughs> Sokka is about to bust a vein. He's so angry. <laughs> Which at this point you're like, okay, fair enough. They are yeah. just a bit too devil may care. Um, and then Ang approaches the fortune teller and he has, he has this lovely moment where he has to just be like, you know, because he did sense that she sort of made that up about him having love in his future. And she he's like, you didn't mean that, did you? And he, he's sort of... He's calmed down. I think he his his heart was all a flutter the whole episode. He was just kind of above his body. And now he's kind of come back to earth and he's like, oh no. And she says, I'll tell you a little secret, young airbender. Just as you reshape those clouds, you have the power to shape your own destiny. 
and he's so happy and he's like yeah absolutely again it's like something empowering something he can work with he doesn't have to just be resigned and like a pawn in the game of life so all good all's well that ends well and the gang takes off and uh maybe my favorite moment was <laughs> Meng. she waves katara off sweetly and she's all smiling and she's like goodbye have a good trip and then she goes floozy <laughs> love it so much even though i'm not entirely sure what a floozy is is it can you explain that i don't think we have this terminology in in the uk yeah i'm afraid to say i think it's usually used to describe someone with uh, loose morals she still has little sour grapes at the end she's letting herself feel her feelings because mm-hmm. she's feeling them and then she's gonna move through them because she's ming and she's adorable and she's yeah, a good she's human. kid but yeah I, it made me wonder like how many kids started using the word floozy after floozy. this and their parents were like i'm sorry where did you hear that are you guys ready to segue from the end of the episode into most valuable bending because there's definitely some bending that happens in this episode evie what do you think is kind of the most valuable bending of the episode um katara and ang working together you know with the cloud shaping that would be for me how about you guys i think that and his huge air dome that makes those cool kind of dried lava formations that sort of look like fingers coming out of the sky that if you stumbled on that later in life you'd be like what happened there i think you could argue for most lives for sure saved by that thing that Mm -hmm. could be considered most valuable bending having said that i absolutely love what you said because you're echoing too what Dante brought up about this idea of when the elements can work together to create this very powerful thing and they might not even gotten to that point had so you could say oh it's so important that Aang does that but it could be that Aang didn't even have a chance to save everyone at the end had they not convinced all the villagers to dig those ditches because the only reason he could do what he did is he was just able to stop it only because they had done all of that stuff ahead of time Otherwise, it would have been too powerful, I think, even for Aang. Hence, I agree. That is the most powerful bending for me as well. I concur. It's the coolest part, yes. Do you know what surprised me in that moment was was that he did that incredible, just dynamic airbending thing, but he did that without going into the Avatar state. Great point. Great point. He does have a lot in him. He's the Avatar. I, I mean, hadn't he's, thought about that. He's it's great. massive. He's pretty good at what he does. <laughs> Yeah, and he knows his capabilities. Like he didn't, isn't it the avatar state where it's like, okay, cool, I'm all tapped out. I need to tap into a much higher power. But he knew that he had that in him. I love that he knows his his strengths. I am so glad you said that because I hadn't thought about that. The level of airbending that's happening in that moment is so big. You're Mm -hmm. right. I think most of the time, if not all of the time up to this point, we've really seen only that kind of power in the Avatar state. That is a great point. Mm -hmm. And I also want to say major shout out to Dante Bosco for not bringing up the fact that we don't see Zuko in this episode. He has gotten through the entire recap without saying saying that there's no Prince Zuko. And I'm I'm very impressed and I missed Zuko in this episode. I missed him too. I mean, I missed him too. I mean, he was around fire. If another powerful bender came into this episode, it could be very confusing for Katara. Yeah, Yeah, she's under, you know. (laughs) So I don't know. You're right. It's... The, Aang is very lucky that, that Aang's very lucky. It's all about timing in the world, you guys out there. Romance, timing. That's right. Things are happening. That's right. What do we see in Animal Crossing this time besides what well, the platypus bear, fish, and the platypus bear? Well, the thing is, it's easy to say platypus bear because he had like a really great, you know, feature in the episode, and it's big and scary, and he, he laid the egg. Cool. But we all know, <laughs> as I talked earlier in the episode. It's the turkey duck's time to shine in this episode. Turkey oh. duck episode. Listen, forevermore. Fortune teller. You, know, you mean the turkey duck episode? Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I'm talking about. Aunt Wu, turkey duck. That's right. <laughs> I love it. MV animal. MV animal. <laughs> Most valuable turkey animal. Duck. Turkey duck. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder how she, like, has got them around. You know the way psychics are big into, like, talismans and, like, well, shamans will be into the animals and the qualities they bring. What are the qualities that the turkey duck has that are protecting the village or something? I don't know. They definitely subdue people. Like, what's that stuff they have in Turkey? Oh, El Tryptophan? Tryptophan. So you got a lot of turkey in the village, so it makes them all believe the fortune teller a lot. They're like, we eat that turkey duck, and now we're like, whatever the fortune teller says, we do because we're tired, and it hypnotizes us. How about that? 
Now, would you consider that the most valuable non-bending thing that happens in this episode? Is the turkey's uh, L-tryptophan? <laughs> or do we feel that there might be another most valuable non-bending moment of the fortune teller, a.k.a. the turkey duck episode? Aunt Wu is the non-bending all kinds of stuff this whole episode. She's like, or unless she's mind-bending. I don't know. She's like a bender Is it future of bending? Is it aura future? bending? Oh, future bending. It feels bending. like it's in this place in between, right? That it's, it feels like a power. We don't see it necessarily take up energy, the kind of, the way that Brian and Sifu Kisu talked to right, us about right, right, on, right. on the podcast, about feeling like that's an extension of your body and your breath. We don't necessarily get that feeling from Aunt Wu. So perhaps it is less, a more of a passive gift, but a gift nonetheless that maybe we wouldn't call bending. That's a, that's a really good point. Right. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that really stands mm. out. Evie, can you think of anything? I would say Sokka, Sokka trusting his gut when they get up the mountain and see that the volcano is about to explode. He doesn't go, ha, told you. He snaps into action and he's like, great, right, let's, let's do what we can. And he, he is really secure in his ability to plan and, and to, you know, protect people. And he does that. I just think he does that so excellently. And it's like, you know, you do need those people. You do need people who are a bit skeptical and who, who will, will put their own instincts before any of the magical woo-woo stuff, you know? So I think, and, and I was impressed with his maturity to not be like, there you go, I was right. I don't think he did that once. I think he got frustrated, but I don't think he rubbed in people's faces. Yeah, it's almost like the person who's frustrated and cynical, but they don't want to be right. Like they know yeah. they're right, but they don't want to be right. right. And then when they're right, they're sad that they're right. And they need to go straight into fixing mode. Like, okay, yeah. I didn't want to be right. Now I'm right. There's no time to crow about that now i really have to take action and try to prevent this thing that i was always trying to prevent right well i also yeah, think definitely. the most valuable non-bending moment can go to our little friend mang because she gives the book of cloud readings to ang no bending involved yeah. but it saved a lot of lives and she did it even though she got dissed by my dude she's like i like you but you don't like me but i'm still gonna give you the yeah. book and I'm still going to help you to save our town. Side note, I don't know what that platypus bear would have done had Appa not come up behind and just give a good old hearty, breathy Appa roar. I know. I'm glad he was there with his square teeth. I don't know what would have happened. I don't mm -hmm. know. Also, just side that's note, true. there was a cool looking character that's always hanging out around Aunt Wu. He looked like a real anime, had white hair. Oh, yeah, remember? Yeah, you talked about him, Evie. Yeah, he looks like he should be the star of his own show and he should, like, ride a motorcycle. And, he, yeah, he's really cool. Yeah, that guy was so cool. Yeah. I'm like, that guy's so cool. Yeah. What's he doing? And he didn't do nothing. Yes. I think he said, like, one line. <laughs> he, and, like That's how cool Aunt Wu is. Aunt Wu is so cool that the coolest thing cool guy can do I know. is work she, for Aunt Wu. She got an anime model just to hang out with her. That's how cool Aunt Wu is. That's right. That's, None that's of really models. what he looks like. He really does. Well, this was so much fun. So much fun. Such a pleasure and a joy to have oh, you here. Likewise. Ivana Lynch, Thank you. I can't believe you came aboard. And ugh, I know, what a, what a delight. Thank you so much for coming and joining Hanging Out. No, it's honestly, it's such a pleasure. I love how in-depth we go like on one episode, but it just shows you how beautiful and rich the universe is. How there's humor, there's wisdom, there's just like things that you can relate to in your life. Oh, it's the best show ever. So thank you for having me on and just, yeah, allowing me the space to fangirl. I know I can go this deep into your world of Harry Potter. I can have just as in-depth conversations on your world. And we can talk about the parallels between, I always think about how Anne, Katara, and Sokka, they're basically the, the Harry Potter trio. Ang is Harry, chosen one with all the big power and all the responsibility. Mm. Asaka is Ron, you know, cynical, humorous, whatever. And then Katara is Hermione. Kind, wise, intelligent. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Varney, Varney, you can't let Evie go without asking her what element she represents in the show. Yeah, what would you bend? Uh, fire, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh! oh I'm a fire sign. Fire nation. I'm Leo. And I just, like, love passionate people. I'm pretty good, like, because I do a lot of, like, 
well, I go to psychics and I'm spiritual, so I'm like quite grounded, for, but I can get really just overwhelmed with either rage or joy or passion. And I, I do relate to the firebender thing of like having to channel that into creative means because oh, otherwise it'll burn wait. you up. So yeah, lo- love the Fire Nation. So That um, is a major thing. win. Major win. Shout out to the Fire Nation. Not a lot of Fire Nation in this particular episode, Varney. If things would have went different with that volcano if Fire Nation was in the house, I know, you know. We would yeah, handle it a little sure. bit differently. Evie, can we talk for a second about some of the other great stuff that you have going on? Will you please tell folks about what they should be checking out? So I'm big into veganism and animal rights and just like passionate about making it more accessible to people because I think most people agree that animal cruelty sucks and we don't want it to be, you know, the norm and, and part of mainstream culture. So yes, I found, co-founded this brand with some friends uh, to make vegan beauty more accessible. It's called Kinder Beauty. If you're into just like want to revamp your your kit so that it's not tested on animals and not containing animals then we have got you there so that's yeah that's one thing i do and other than that i have a book available now and it's called the opposite of butterfly hunting and it does go really deep into mental health and and how to manage it that kind of thing so if you feel called the book is there yeah beautiful (laughs) beautiful All right, great. Well, I hope that you will be prepared to know that we will feel called not only to read the book, but also to have you back on the show. So let's do some behind the scenes planning on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, If you want to shout out a ship that you have as we say goodbye to our wonderful (gasps) friends and listeners. Um, no pressure. It's, it's going to be one. so controversial to, for me to say this here, but I actually am a Zutara ship. <laughs> yeah, you Zutara, are. You, you said you were from the Fire Nation. <laughs> Evie Lynch, ship Zutara. See you guys next week. Next week, we have a very special holiday episode made specifically for you, our fans and friends. It is our fan favorite holiday special. Follow us on social media. I'm at Janet Varney on Twitter, at the JV Club on Instagram. You are at Dante Bosco basically everywhere, Everywhere, except on TikTok at Dante. We'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.